Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Seb Philpot. And my name is Verity Simmons, and this is Three in a Bar. Hey, everyone. Welcome along. Feels yeah. like a while since the last episode. Yeah, it does. I mean, we put it back a little bit, didn't we? <laughs> Good intentions. Good intentions, but full diaries is what I'd say. Yeah, so that's, that's a kind of one of them good problems to have. Yes, it is. Yeah. But uh, we've got a really good episode for you today. Yeah. This is Mike Lewis. It is. It's Mike Lewis. Michael Lewis, as uh, he was born. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Michael Lewis, no, hang on. Born Michael Lewis, now Mike Lewis. That's what <laughs> Wikipedia says. It is. And that's what we say as well for the purpose that's of our show say. notes, etc. <laughs> I, I love it when our guests have Wikipedia entries. Oh, yes. It's just the best. <laughs> it, it makes life considerably easier, doesn't it? <laughs> no to future guests. For this bit of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mike Lewis, I'm going to read it out, um, is a saxophonist and bassist from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He is a founding member of and plays saxophone in contemporary jazz groups Happy Apple and Fat Kid Wednesdays. He also plays Mm. electric bass in Alpha Consumer and Red Start. Mike Lewis has contributed to other projects such as Fogs, Ditherer and Gangs Related... (laughs) He is currently a member of Andrew Bird's band, as well as Dosh, Bonnie Iver, and the tallest man on earth. Yeah, there we are. Busy man. That's it in a nutshell. It is. Mainly how you probably know him from is is from Bonnie Iver, isn't it? And that's how you knew him, Seb, isn't it? Yeah, that's how I I first came across him. I I really like Bonnie Iver. And in fact, very early on in this interview (laughs) conversation... (laughs) I almost derail the whole thing by just just blurting out, oh, I really love Bonnie <laughs> I didn't have any point. I, mean, I could have cut that bit out of the podcast. I could have I think it's made good me you look cool, but it's in. It's in there. You can see it. It's, it was oh, a I lovely... So hot and red afterwards. Oh, no, no. It was a lovely moment and it was a great turnaround. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would have appreciated it. If it was me, I would have appreciated it. And I think he did too. 
but because oh. he he's a really cool guy he was great yeah, to chat cool. to and uh yeah and i love the fact that he tries to explain we've talked about it on the pod before about the messina which he plays with yeah. justin vernon in boniver yeah. he gives a really good explanation of something that's basically unexplainable doesn't he <laughs> yeah. do you understand what it is yet um i mean i'm closer yeah. I wouldn't try and explain it to anyone else. I'm not going to try now. <laughs> no, I'd say to to check out what that is. If you listen to 45, mm-hmm. which is a track on 22 a million towards the end of the album. If you listen to that, you'll hear that's the Messina in action. Yes, it's and, flipping um, cool. I love it. Yeah. In fact, if you look on YouTube, there's live versions where you can see maybe a bit more what's going on. Yeah. And... Um, See how they've developed this wonderful instrument that yes. only works with two people playing it, you know, or, or just on its own if it's Justin Vernon. It's, it's very interesting. <laughs> you see the problem. Really cool. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's confusing, isn't this. it? Yes, here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what else do we talk about in this? Uh, I, we, we should we should say this is another one of our fantastic guests lined up by Tom Carlson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's given us some people like John Natchez. Abby Portner. Yeah. We've got some future guests coming as well by him and Kelly Pratt. Yeah. I mean, Tom, he's a legend and he's really, you know, given us a whole host of Americans for you to hear, which is wonderful. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. Uh, We also later on talk about uh, Mike's love of Yo Latengo. Yes, we do. We talk Uh, about the People Festival, don't we? Um, Yeah. People Festival. Oh, and screwing up on stage. Yes. The joy of a cock-up. And then finally, living in small towns. Oh, yes. Oh, he loves doing that. And and his dad was a a jazz trumpet player. That's right. And an inspiration for him. I think think so. So, should we get into the chat? I definitely think we should. Yeah. Okay, everyone, come with us now. This is Mike Lewis. to mike have you been away recently um not uh not in a professional capacity um not not recently let me see i did a couple of things i did uh uh made a record with um with anais mitchell a while back um yeah and then uh i'm trying to think there's anything else like that might have been the only at least deep in the pandemic situation that might have been the only time that i that i actually really got out and did anything you know, yeah. professional capacity, but otherwise just did things at home and, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you've been brought to us by uh, that good man, Tom Carlson. Yes. has brought us some fantastic guests. Mm, um, I thought I'd read out the email he sent to introduce us all. Oh, great. Yeah, no pressure, huh? Because he's very good at writing emails. <laughs> yeah, I love his emails. They're brilliant. He says here, <laughs> he's a brilliant saxophonist and bass player, turns a good trick on keys, guitars, and the guy sings a darn parody harmony. <laughs> He runs around with Bonnie Vare often when he's not modelling his svelte bod on billboards across Los Angeles, played with Andrew Bird for a number of years, and is a member of a thousand, ten thousand in uh, brackets, Minneapolis-based bands. Great. Wow. I think we're done here. We That's go. lovely. That's Thanks. Oh, wildly, yeah. yeah, it's wildly accurate, especially the svelte body thing. Really great to talk to you guys. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we should start there. What what's all that about? <laughs> uh, the, the, I, I don't I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to chat with him. You know, I mean, it's I'm sure it's mutual. You know, whatever that, that interest. <laughs> I mean, like, it always has been, Tom. 
anyway. yeah what billboards these billboards that you're uh i heard something <laughs> at one point in the promotion of a uh of uh it might have been the last bon Iver record that that, that all of these different photos were taken and that affected of us individually, not even just the band members, but just kind of everybody is part of the, you know, part of this whole yeah. family. And, um, and I've heard those were peppered about the country in different, uh, in, in different billboards. So I think, I think mine landed in LA somewhere, you know, I don't know. Oh, fantastic. Is, oh yeah. It's pure <laughs> comedy that, that, uh, that they throw my mug up in a situation like that. It's just so, you know, where he's like, Oh yeah. Weird. Is that sax idiot from, you know, not that anybody would actually <laughs> I remember having a, when I was just graduated from college, I was on, I was doing some really weird education workshop for the London Symphony Orchestra. And literally I'd never played with them. Obviously I just graduated and uh, they just took a photo and I think I was playing row, row, row your boat. And they took my photo and it went up on a billboard outside LSO St. Luke's in central London. And I had so many calls from people saying, Oh my God, are you playing with the LSO already? Brilliant. That's that's the only way that I found out. That's definitely the only way that I found out is from people being like, uh, dude, your photo's up on a on my house in Silver Lake. Like, what are you doing? Amazing. Hey, I watched your um, NPR concert today when I was doing a bit of stalking on the internet. Oh, okay. I watched the Boniver uh, 2016, I think we worked out, was um, the NPR oh. concert. Oh, God, it's fantastic. Totally amazing. That was a good one. I, I Yeah, it's funny. We knew... Or at least I, somewhere I knew that was happening and then managed to forget that it was happening before we actually started playing, which is, of course, the best case scenario for anything like that, you know. And, and yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they did. They did a really good job of like um, they managed to uh, just like hide the cameras and whatever. And then, it, it, yeah, it was that was a it was a cool show. It was also like before we completely knew what we were doing. And sometimes it seems like that's the best uh Sometimes it seems like that's a best case scenario too, you know, before you know all your parts too well, you're still kind of reacting in real time and, you know, playing music actually instead of like installing your thing that you've worked on, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you dug it. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I really love that, rec- uh, not record, I love that video too. It's probably one of my favorite videos on that website. That's crazy. It's, uh, it's, it's good because... Oh, I'm a, I have to come clean. I'm a very big fan of Bon Iver. Oh, wow, yeah. um, so uh, I have seen you guys play a couple of times in, you played at Hammersmith Apollo mm-hmm. maybe three years ago. Sure. And then All, All Points East. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw that one as well. Right. And uh, But yeah, it, uh, there's not really a question attached to that. But uh, just to just to say, love just, your work. Just some appreciation there, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was well, wonderful you're... to rely upon your memory of of things having happened because, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 stringing them together yeah. in linear time is like not yeah, something yeah. I have a lot of luck with. But but yes, yeah, I, I like do the remember. way you nodded along to it. Yes, yeah, like, oh yes, yeah, I that was sounds there. right. Yes, That's I'm right. sure I was right. <laughs> But it's really interesting what you were saying then about um, about that thing of not just sort of finding your way within the parts and stuff, because it, what it really felt like um, it sort of had an improvisatory feel to quite a lot of the sections. And then it was just totally amazing, like a, a real it felt like even watching at home, there was a real live experience. And did you I mean, it was there quite a lot of is there quite a, a lot of improvisation that goes into the live we, shows? We, yeah, we definitely try to protect as many of those possibilities as possible, you know, like, um, after the record is recorded and that gets released, then in a way we kind of get together and then relearn everything with not like, like you have to represent parts or whatever, 
or there's an impulse to, but I think there's also just a song, you know, and then you can go ahead and, and learn the song. And, and it's, and it's interesting to do that in such a different way and to not feel like this, um, absolute necessity to represent it exactly as it is on the record. It's like, if it's a good song, it'll carry in all sorts of different ways. So it's, so it's, you know, like that was kind of a, that concert in particular was, relatively close. It might've been one of the first shows that we played on that record cycle for lack of a better, better thing to call it. So it was just, we really like, you know, didn't have well-worn paths, you know, in terms of like, you know, we of course had rehearsed and like had our parts and things that we were going to do, but there's a lot of finding your way through it, you know? And then also like just improvisatorily speaking, like, you know, wherever we can leave room for things like that, you know, just kind of helps, the music stay fresh a year into an album cycle, you know, because you just start finding different ways of creating together and, and, and not just, you know, like whatever the, the veritable, you know, office job version of it, you know, quite when you play live, you play lots of different instruments. You're sort of a bit of a utility guy yeah, uh, yeah, and, and, and sort of, <laughs> and, and you know, sort of center stage at times, um, playing the saxophone, but because on, on the, that record that you were sort of touring 20 to a million back then, mm-hmm. I think had you only played on maybe a few tracks on saxophone and maybe not playing the bass and keys and things then? Yeah, um, there are, let me see, in that particular record, I'm trying to think um, how many tunes are really saxophone driven. Um, There's there's oftentimes not, like it's at least half the time, if not more than that, I'm playing bass or I'm playing um, keyboard bass or, you know, like, yeah, being kind of like utility guy or playing whatever's in front of me, which is like that has become a thing that um, kind of a focus for everybody in the band. Weirdly, it just has become like kind of a culture in that group to just like be surrounded by different possibilities and directions that you can go with things. And that kind of I think that also plays into, you know, there have certainly been times that we've just rearranged a song during a sound check. Like, you know, like one in particular, I remember um we're trying to figure out a, a new way to play um, one one song off the self-titled, and 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 I found something on an arpeggiator um, on on this. Like while I'm still trying to learn how to play a prophet, because I you know at all times barely know what I'm doing, um, <laughs> at least especially in that realm, you know, like and that just suddenly gave way to this completely different direction, and then everything falls into different places, and you you know, so it's like having yeah. all of that stuff around everybody at all times then creates even more of of that. You know, just it's tactile and it's alive and it can, you know, the organism can move to a different place suddenly when it wants to, and you know. Yeah. yeah. So, which extrapolated really far from your question. Yes, I don't play all that much saxophone. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. But I guess it's that the, the thing I, I really admire about the group is, is the sense of collaboration. Mm. And I guess that's a massive example of that is just how someone could have an idea and then by the, you know, a few hours later you're performing it. Yeah with that, that new idea and the sort of the bands ch- changed quite a lot since the beginning so it was quite almost folky and guitar based mm. so really it feels like anything any sounds could could happen now yeah yeah um, i think that's and, true um, i think that's and does that, does that, do you think that's come from from opening up you know justin vernon opening up to any any anyone to come in and, and collaborate yeah i mean like i would say justin um you know, speaking of band culture, like if, if anybody has been 
just wildly open uh, since the very get go of everything. It's it's been Justin. Like like you know, I can't speak with absolute authority on how everything started at the beginning, but my understanding is that even just that, you know, that first record that everybody loves, myself included, you know he was just by himself trying to demo out some songs for whatever the group was going to be, you know, and then it became that, that thing. So it's like, in a way what the band has become has always been a part of like, he, I think he views it at least as much as a project in a way as he does, um, like a, uh, like a really specifically defined organization. You know what I mean? It's become more defined, especially the more, um, the more tight knit the family's become. And like, you know, I don't know, that part always blows my mind. It's like, I think we're good at music. I know we're good at touring like together, you know, <laughs> like it's like <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the people involved in that from every angle of it, like all crew, all it, it's just, it's a remarkable group of people, you know? So, Oh, um, that's so great. Yeah, It's incredible. And are you guys going? I I saw that perhaps it, you're postponing the ones over coming over to Europe. But um, are you guys touring around the US again this year? We may have one thing that's going to happen, um, and I don't know if I'm even. I don't know when I'm supposed oh, to okay. get anything out of yeah. that. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. really know. I honestly don't know. Um, but yeah, so there, there we have been talking about it, and obviously, like most things, it's like it's kind of you know whenever they announce it, then it'll be for sure. Like before that. I, I don't know just because like the world at large is so, you know, things are changing yeah. all the time and obviously everybody's health and safety is the most important yeah, thing. Yeah, of course. And, so can you, know. you all be back in a room together at the moment? Are you all like kind of playing, rehearsing, working we have, together? We haven't been able to play once. Oh, I mean like like I've I've, I've, I've seen uh, I've seen Justin and like um a few times because he and I live pretty close. Um we did like a completely unannounced just like after everybody got vaccinated, we did a small event in, in, uh, Eau Claire, um, really recently. And that was super fun, but that was, uh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't even, that, that was not Bon Iver proper and it was right. just, just getting together and playing and, you know, so, so yeah, but it's, it's coming, it's coming back, you know? Yeah. And it'll be amazing. Right. All the yeah. better. All yeah. the better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. It's like the two have had all of this, uh, it's kind of like the sabbatical in a way that we never wouldn't have would have been able to have, you know, like, like, no, quite. I, yeah, I know that it's yeah. been incredibly difficult and, um, for people and I want to be sensitive to that, but I also like have to be honest that like, like this has been so rejuvenating and shifting perspective wise in terms of like, okay, yeah. How do we want to carry this? How do we want to move forward and, you know, like present as the most important thing and make sure that we're protecting our time otherwise so that we can present like something that's heartful and and not just like a grind you know what I mean totally yeah yeah that's actually that's really good that's great that you can take that positive from me you know it's really good you're gonna take something yeah definitely yeah there's always two sides to it so what have you been filling your time with over the last year or so oh boy um cooking walking the dog ah. um, what's your what's the cooking what's the food of choice oh man i mean name it we, it's the the this is the second year in a row that we've been able to do a csa like a a, a farm share situation oh. which i'd never been oh. able to do before yes. um because you know you're touring and you're out of town so what's the point um but yeah that's that's kind of the I mean, like just whatever shows up in a box that week and then you just figure out how to like, oh, I've never seen these Japanese turnips before or like, you know, like <laughs> how am I going to approach this 
kohlrabi and I, I don't know, like whatever it's, it's <laughs> I'm <laughs> kind of food and cooking obsessed. So it's, it's been a really great having nothing to do with music, just project to just weirdly sink my only child mind into and like, Oh, I want to do this now. Oh, that man. sounds good. Yeah, We've got this right. thing called Ready Steady Cook. It sounds very much like that. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> well, TV is that that hasn't been on telly for a long time, is it? In my, it's still in my heart. <laughs> what were the rules for Ready show. Steady Cook? You bag get like of five a, uh, things. Plastic bag full of yeah. Oh, I got you. And make five it. things. Dump yeah. it on the table. Make it. Make something Bosh. delicious. I love yeah, that. that's, that's right. Great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, they'd be right up your street. It's great. <laughs> love it. Well, I, I'd really love to talk about the Messina mm. and there's the, I mean, I, I guess you, you'd be better placed to explain what the Messina is to, to our listeners. <laughs> to a degree. Um, to a degree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what What is it and how um, does it work? I think the easiest way, like I can't explain it technically. Chris Messina, for whom it's named, could, could certainly do that. Justin could do that. Um, what I can tell you is that it's, um, what it became functionally right away, there was this idea that Justin dreamed up and then Chris made it possible. And then it became this instrument that's only possible to, it's not only possible with two people, but, but it's, it's, it's like almost like a pump and an organ, right? So like you have something that's, that's like, like when I'm, when it's the two of us, when it's Justin and I both playing, then, um, I'm playing into the micro microphone mm-hmm. and, but no sound is coming out until it's activated by, um, let's say Justin playing, um, a MIDI control, like a keyboard basically. So like when he, so he voices as many different n- like notes as he wants to of my signal that I'm sending, you know? So there's like, See, it's already confusing. Okay, so <laughs> there's 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 a no. there's a dry signal that's just the horn dry, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, that signal is also sent to a keyboard that can then play anywhere on that keyboard and voice voice a chord that way, you know. But yeah. the keyboard doesn't make sound on its own. It only makes sound when I play. So in other yeah. words, it's like he's voicing a change, but I'm controlling phrasing. Yes. You know? Yeah. And then it becomes like, it becomes like, and then there's also like, there's also just a dry um, saxophone. So like, I also have my own voice on top of the rest of, does that make sense? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so you're kind of being, you're leading each other around in very real time. Cause it's like, if he plays a certain change with certain voice leading that makes me pull pulls the melody in a different direction for me or i might play in a certain direction and he'll hear where that's headed and then play you know and then that becomes one of the most dangerous and um dangerous things we do in any given show is just like you know we know roughly how we're going to get through it but you know there's also (laughs) like i'll throw something weird at him or he'll throw some really weird change at me and then and then and then it either falls flat or it becomes a miracle or you know (laughs) just do that in front of him bunch of people so <laughs> it's like two people it's like um i imagine it's a bit like puppetry is it mm-hmm. i don't know but we're two people <laughs> yeah, operating the same thing do you know what i mean like oh, yeah, yeah, going yeah, in sure. pulling it you have to pull in the same directions i guess and i mm-hmm. i imagine it can get quite like 
wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it, it does. I mean, and there's totally been times where we where we talk about it afterwards and just like, my God, what happened? You know, like, and then, and then there's and then there's times where it's just like, you know, the coolest thing is that when it works at its best, it, you you're free of even like taking some weird ego driven responsibility for it. It's just like, you just kind of feel lucky that you got to be there when that just happened, you know, because it's such a lightning strike and, you know, so to have something like that built in to the show or a possibility like that built in, you know, and then it also is like works with like voice and, you know, I mean, it's like, we've got it routed on stage where anybody can Messina somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, or anybody who's got like a, a MIDI capable uh, keyboard can then like, so Vern could be singing and Sean could, could voice those changes or vice versa, or, you know, or you can do it for yourself also. And, you know, yeah, like all of the brilliant, incredible technical minds that make that possible on stage. Well, I just try to keep my read wet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's such an incredible sound. It's it, yeah. just compliments, especially the saxophone and the machinery. I mean, it just, Oh God, the sounds complement each other so well, don't they? It's yeah, incredible. I mean, when that happened, I mean that track that's on the record that's just that starts out with just the two of us is, uh, I mean that that was within ten minutes of the first time that we, you know, they had just gotten the thing to work at all, and then I showed up. <laughs> And they're like, try with Lewis, man. And like, I was like, great, what are we doing? And like, you know, before I even could really explain it, it just became clear what it was. And then that was quite literally one of the first things that, uh, that we ever played on it is what's on the record. So that's kind of shocking too, that you get to, you know, I mean, whatever. Polaroids are always the coolest pictures, right? They're, yeah, yeah. They're less yeah. perfect, but it's just like that's the one on the fridge that you're like, oh man, I remember that. And so it's yeah. like to get one of those, <laughs> to get one of those on a record is, you know, forget it. I mean, you, you just you're lucky. You know, not any note works then. Some notes do sort of you stick can, out. Oh, oh, you, you, you can definitely create dissonance um, for sure. Um, you know, like I can, especially because because if he's playing in a certain, it's it's like. But but he also has like he's got twelve tones, so it's like you know what I mean. It's it it, it he's able to voice whatever crazy or you know yeah. you can screw it up for sure. <laughs> you know like you can definitely like play changes that don't sound great next to each other. Then there's also ways that like, and this starts to get into the technical part that I don't understand. It's like you can set octaves in a certain way where right. it'll jump at a certain point, and then sometimes if if I will bend a note in a way that's like microtonal instead of just an exact half step or something like that. Or if I play like a multiphonic, like more than one note or something like that, then the whole system goes like, no, you know, like whatever. And then you get, (laughs) and then you get a great artifact in that way too. So it's like, we're we're always looking out for those too. Like there, there'll be parts where he's just like, you know, Thelonious Monk leaning his arm on the on the whole, you know, like whatever. It just becomes yeah, this yeah. strange animal that took over for yeah. a second, and you know. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes it just does that on its own, and we can't figure out why. <laughs> Those have, we've had disasters. Yeah. Oh God, technology. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> when you were saying before about how. Um, you know, sometimes you find these moments of magic and you're like, mm-hmm. that was great tonight mm-hmm. or that was really fucking weird tonight. Yeah, but right, do yeah. you, is it hard to not have the temptation then if you're having a great gig, it's all going really well, to be to sort of be drawn back along certain lines or oh, because totally. it's the, yeah. 
Yeah, do you I think mean, that is a, you know, that was think, a good one. That'll I mean, get the crowd going, yeah. Right, oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's the, you know, that's that's a struggle with just about with just about anything, I think. Like, like any area where, like, if you find, you know, some particular way of creating this certain moment, of course you have this impulse to, like, oh, let's do that again, you know. And sometimes, sometimes you land it, you know, I, I feel like the more times you land it, the more it becomes like, like, I don't, not always, but there's a diminishing return. As soon as it becomes like a, like a, um, the gimmick is harsh, but I don't know what the word would be. As soon as it becomes like an artifact that you're trying to reproduce, then that's quite literally what you're doing. You're reproducing it, you know? And, and, um, and I think that, you can do that in ways that are exciting and flashy and, you know, like whatever you can, you can, you can trick the, that sounds so mean. I don't know. It, it's like, like you can do stuff like that and, and just go for an easy fix for the audience. Like, you know, when the flash plats blue and you're supposed to be excited now and here comes the chorus of your favorite song and the, here's the thing that, <laughs> you know, like, like, and, and it, and it's uh and that's cool, you know, but it's not the thing. It's not the weird, mysterious thing, and I think that... Um, it's not going to give you the same returns either as a performer, no, is it? It's the, no, and yeah. it's not going to... And then, therefore, you're not going to have that moment with the audience either. And, like, if it's a great show or if it's a great moment, then, like, suddenly all the roles get blurred and everybody's just there. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, so, uh, so to answer your question more directly, it's like, yes, that totally happens. And personally, at least, I desperately try to like wipe it away and forget, you know, like, like yeah. try not to, you know, it, it will rest songs like a hundred percent, no matter what the song is, because it's like, nah, it's just not, nah, it's, <laughs> you know, it's just the same. Like we're just, you can just tell when you, you, you hit a, you hit a rut and it's like, there's nothing even wrong with it. Nobody would notice per se, but it's like, it's not there. It's just not, it's not breathing. Yeah. It's not alive. You know, you just kind of absolutely. So. And what I really like about your your playing is like the, the way you find those, like making use of the characteristics of the instrument and those sort of sounds you get, um, the, sort of the natural resonance of the sound when you're just breathing through it and, and especially when it's going through a Messina or something, yeah, sure. it kind of really heightens all that. Yeah, Is that style of playing that you found along the way or did you sort of realize, oh, that's maybe, my, maybe one of my things I do? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think like from the, get go this like sound was so I just ended up gravitating naturally more towards sound um as opposed to facility if that makes sense you know like and it's not that I wasn't impressed when people could play really technically difficult things or you know and it's not that I didn't strive to to do that also I played like you know I came up playing jazz music and and like learning all sorts of hyper technical things you know like jazz being the new version of like a completely institutionalized music that runs the risk of of people forgetting why they even started playing it because they're trying so hard to competitively be better at this you know what i mean like like yeah. Yeah. i know yeah. that's that vibe in the in the in the classical world as well and but yes yeah, sound man was just like like um there's a saxophonist named joe lovano that i heard when i was still in high school um, or actually even before that, like, I remember I, I, I found like my, my dad is a jazz musician too. And I remember listening to Coltrane and Ornette Coleman 
on the same day like that like i heard their both of their music for the first time on the same day and at the time i was like oh this start train guy i can't listen to at all for some reason like ornette i was just you know now of course since i love coltrane and i got to a point where i heard it and received it in a different way but like there was an immediacy there's like a something about ornette's sound that was like speaking you know and it was like so so much character you know so like i i think i always just gravitated towards you know like a real like a like just a resonance also saxophone is such a such a malleable instrument too you know it's like it can sound so many different ways like depending on how much air you're putting into it depending on like how structured your embouchure is versus like loose and you know you you can just find so many different characters you know and then there's like weird false fingerings and stuff and i just like you know so like when i found joe lovano which was a little further on like and he maybe became like a north star for me at, at a certain point just because i couldn't believe all of the different you know tones that he was getting out of and all of this expressiveness and you know like so yeah it just became like i just couldn't rest like the sound was the whole thing like you know at least at first then you figure out the rest of it but it's like you know if you can sit on one note and have it feel like something you know what what, what do you want that sounds like a really a really healthy way of approaching it as well because you're kind of not getting tied in knots with the the technicality of it to begin with you're coming from a point of wanting to create a sound rather than getting tense about the nitty-gritty of how you do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah, that's yeah. Ideally. Yeah. <laughs> of course I'm, you know, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to act like I get, you know, lost in the other stuff as well. It's very calm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's uh it's I don't know, it's funny, but like I there's a bass player in, in uh in town named Jim Anton who's uh in Minneapolis who's been on more records than anybody would ever know and i remember sitting with him when i was first starting to play bass and he had a really similar thing he's like another guy that can literally play anything on the instrument and you don't understand how it's possible Uh, you know like but but it's but one of the things he he just remembers saying like just like play fret a note and then pull you know, with your right hand and then see how long it, you know, it's just like, and he wasn't even plugged in. He's just like, what's that feel like? Like, how long is it? How long does it, does that note hold, you know? And he was like, like, I literally watched him do it and he wasn't showing me. He was engrossed. Yeah. (laughs) Like he was like literally (laughs) like fully in the thing that he was talking about. And I'm like, man, you know, like whatever, it doesn't even matter what instrument it is. It's like, you have an opportunity to just sink yourself fully into like really be in the present with things like that, you know? So, so yeah, I don't know. That's important to me for sure. Do you think that comes from a jazz background, like learning like who, who you are as a musician? And cause I think like, me and Verity are sort of mainly from a more classical background. We certainly had like classical training and that. And I think, as you say, Verity, like you can easily get sidetracked by it, all those things you have mm. to learn all those pieces and sure. orchestral excerpts and stuff yeah and actually like it, it takes you sometimes it took, i think it took me a few years to go hang on what what am i what do i do and what, what's my sound what do i really want to say yeah. yeah and um i think yeah all that it can be a lot of noise all that all that classical sure way of thinking of the yeah. pieces and i think yeah the jazz thing is like it's really about you're, you've got to say something straight away, haven't you? You can't just play some notes. It's interesting. I've, not, I've never thought it. about it precisely that way, and I think you're right. That's a good question. Um, like, because it is, it's, it's, 
there's some part of the entire genre and, and idiom of that music that's that's like it is it is built in. There is a like um yeah, like maybe an expressiveness that sometimes is not as celebrated in in uh in classical music, you know, like like um, you know, maybe not always. I can't speak to that with any expertise, but like I remember I remember doing a state solo ensemble contest and I played some piece that had been rearranged for saxophone and I used to love playing classical music. Um and I remember one of the judges like like I got a really good score on the thing and whatever and one of them just like was like like you know a bit too romantic for this period perhaps but you know like whatever and and that's fine <laughs> oh, you know what right. I bet he was right frankly you know but it, but it was just but it, but your your question and, and thinking about it that way makes me, makes me realize like you know like yeah I think that is probably a huge part of of at least what made it possible for me to recognize all of those individualities in in those musicians you know that, that that were you know but there's of course there's also the part where it's like you know you know when you're figuring out how to play a two five one or something you know there's there, there's this whole vernacular you know that that also is in place and it's like you can tell when you're speaking it and you can tell when you're not you know and it used to drive me nuts early because I'd listen to so much of that music that I could hear where I wanted to be way faster than I could. Like, like I didn't have, you know, I couldn't figure out the, you know, so it was like a weird tug of war sometimes because then I would go in and I would go like, okay, I'm going to learn these patterns and get, you know, technical about it. But then that never scratched the itch of just being able to do it because I heard it. You yeah. Know? So it took me, it took me a long time to, you know, to come around to, you know, like, balancing those two things i think you know because they are both yeah. useful at the end of the day you know and also so you started out on sax but then obviously now you play a whole myriad of other instruments mm. maybe not as many as john natchez but you know <laughs> <laughs> working out a good time 30. life is long Plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah do you have do you feel like you have a different approach to say say the bass and um when you're playing all keys, do you feel like, is there more of a freedom to that? Or do you have where you've sort of focused so much on the sax, whether, yeah, yeah. more freedom. I think, I think, I think, um, yeah, whether it's freedom or not, it's definitely, um, when I started, when I like playing bass initially, when I got into that was like, I really didn't need to, for anybody to notice anything that I was doing. Yeah. like at all you know what I mean like I was so happy to be like some pillow soft like foundation that was just like you know and you can make such small moves on that instrument and affect landscape you know yeah. and like I was so into that that was like how what I got into about the instrument in the first place was just like voicing you know it's like you know, not to get nerdy, but it's like if you sit down and at a piano and play like triad and first position and then like second inversion. And, you know, like I mean, it's like it even just that in three notes changes before you even start spreading it out in octaves. So thinking structurally like that got so like I mean, I still it's one of my favorite ways to think. And and um, and since, you know, since with saxophone, I can I can play all manner of different free avant-garde music and play really you know really boisterous or, or or play like like really pretty and about and like lead and just sing in that instrument or whatever you know like it's great to have then like bass become something where where um where like i don't have to you know 
like none of that. So I think about musically from a completely different vantage point, you know, like, and, and, um, so that's cool. But it was also partially just because like, I really loved rock and roll music and pop and folk and country. And it, like, there are all these other types of music and I didn't want to play saxophone on them, you know? Right. Like, you, you just yeah. not, you know, like, not that I don't, it's like, I love Clarence Clemens, man. You know, like, like, how do you not love that guy and what he sounds like? I could never really carry that voice, you know? So it's like, it's like if I'm going to play Springsteen, man, I want to play Telly or play a, like, you know, play guitar, play like a, play the bass part or something like that. And yeah. you know what I mean, so it's like, it, I just kind of, I think that's how I've gotten into all, a lot of the other instruments is, is just because like, I don't know, this rhythm section, so yeah. awesome. You know, it's like so oh, fun to so be much. a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally different thing, isn't it? You're a totally different role. Mm. Yeah. I guess you get to play much more stuff. Mm -hmm. Sax doesn't fit in everything, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And then you, but then you come back and it's like, you spend some time in the rhythm section, you'll learn something about your time as a horn player. Yeah, you know, but, you come back yeah. and it's like, oh, <laughs> I see. Like, you know, like, like I got to, you know, pocket is so important. You're less reliant on somebody else to spoon feed you what the time feel is or something like that. It's like the farther you stretch out into all of the different realms, the more you start to like, you know, like you need less from it at the same time that it's like granting you so much more of an understanding. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah, know. totally. Yeah. Yeah. I should probably spend um, some time in a rhythm section to be quite honest. It's, it's fun. <laughs> it, is, it is fun. It's super fun. You are listening to Three in a Bar. We talk to musicians about their lives. If you like this show, you can give us five stars on iTunes or a cast or other things like that. Yeah. Talking about the bass, um, when I saw you at uh, the Hammersmith Apollo playing the bass in it was in Deaf Breast. Okay, and it's the it's the bit where you I think it's the first time you come in on that tune. Mm -hmm. It's one of the, the best live music experiences just through like through the feeling of that bass traveling out of the sound system going through my body. I mean, it must be amazing <laughs> to play it and be on oh, stage too. Right? It's funny. It's like I, I always just like I can see Sandy's face, like a front of house, you know, monitor or front of house uh, uh, engineer. It's like, yeah, I just I know. Because, you know, like at the, he's playing everything as much as we are too. So it's like I, you know, we're on in-ears so you can't, always hear the the precisely but i could there's every one of those moments just like i can tell how much sandy likes that because it feels like the <laughs> whole building is going to come down yeah oh it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible it's, it's and it's fun. the sort of thing you you cannot replicate that at home no matter how good your your headphones or speakers are you, yeah, you can't no, it's you super be... physical yeah oh yeah <laughs> so good yeah, no, you gotta have more speakers <laughs> move more air <laughs> as much air as yeah. you know, it's like whatever you know. Oh my god! That's I, you know. I think of live gigs, missing live gigs over this time. It's like, oh, I just want to, just want to hear a big bloody bass. Yes, totally. Oh, yeah, in my yeah. chest, so good. Yeah, definitely amazing. So, how long have you been playing the bass now? Is that quite an early thing, or was that? Is it more recent? I, let me, great question. I I remember <laughs> um, cutting class in high school and going to the band room and you know bloodying my fingers on the uprights. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. So like 16, 17. And then, you know, and then like when I was 15 is when I first started playing with a couple of people that I'm still playing with now. Um, and bass, I was always had a fascination and like, you know, so I'd, I'd pick his up and then I did the, one of the craziest things I ever did and just went and bought an upright in New York. Again, that same thing where it's like, 
I probably could have found an instrument in Minneapolis, but but like I already my ears were attuned to uh, like a quality that that I uh, that I couldn't make the sound yet, but I definitely <laughs> couldn't get excited about just like a, a weird plywood. You know, you know what I, I don't know. So it's slow. So yeah, I know. I did, yeah. I did a crazy thing and went to a <laughs> world renowned uh went to the gauge shop in New York when I could barely play the instrument and had them help me buy an instrument, which was crazy. And thanks mom for that. And uh <laughs> and uh and so yeah, like at eighteen or something like that. Seventeen, I think it was seventeen or eighteen when I went out and bought upright and then um and then I started playing electric also. You did a a lot of touring even on Upright with a band called Fog that I was in for a long time and then other bands in town and then Electric got involved when I was maybe 22 or 3 or something like that so so I guess that you know and since I'm 28 now like no okay yeah no age no age so a good a good like I guess 20 24 24 25 years I guess at this wow. point, yeah, you know, which but is yes. shocking. It's like I haven't even thought about that, but but yeah, long time. <laughs> I think it's best not to think about things like that. I still think that <laughs> no. 1990 is just a few years ago, so let's yeah. stick oh, with totally. that, shall we? Absolutely, oh, God. the 90s do <laughs> not seem far yeah. away. No, they can't be. No, hey, that's amazing that you're still playing with guys that you were at high school with. So this is—is is this in Happy Apple? Is that right? Um, yeah, Happy Apple is one of the earliest. Yeah, Dave yeah. King and and uh, uh, Dave King and I have been playing together since I was 17. Um, yeah. And uh and then Frosky joined the band like a few years later, so like that's old. And then there's a band that I've played in forever called Fat Kid Wednesdays that and that's yeah. JT Bates, who's a drummer, and Adam Linz. Um and and I was fifteen when I when Linz drove me over to JT's house and we played together for the first time and now we still play. We've got a gig booked like in a couple weeks here. So oh, that's amazing. That's <laughs> it's so nuts. great. Yeah. I mean I feel so I don't take that one for granted at all, you know. No, does that feel like just slipping back into a really comfortable situation then when you go back to play with those guys and yeah yeah. it's 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 just um the level of trust that you build up playing with people for a long time i mean Mm. christ even bonavera at this point it's like been over a decade uh, you know and yeah it's just that trust you know yeah like the longer that you're able to play with people you know it's like trust to even like have things not go well and to get pissed at each other and come back and, and like have it be even better. And just, just like any other yeah. relationship, it just gets like to a point where you don't even have to think about it anymore. So yeah, I don't, I don't take that for granted. I feel really lucky that, that, uh, that I'm still playing with, with JT and with Adam and Jeremy Elvisacker and like all of my closest people, you know. Do you kind of compartmentalize the different groups you're with or do you, do they all kind of feed off each other the way that you play with different ensembles? I think I think it's I think it's the latter. It, it's if like I'm sure I do compartmentalize like on some level, but it's definitely not conscious, you know. No. Like like um, I think again it's a similar like it's like Fakid Wednesdays is a jazz group. Happy Apple is a if that's jazz music is a jazz group. You know I don't know what that music is like. Um, <laughs> like it's just a whole other language that we wrote. Um, and then um, uh, Alpha Consumer, which is another group I've been playing with for now for like. God, I mean that's over twenty years now too. Um, that group has fast was like a rock and roll outfit, you know, like kind of yeah, like sort of devoy meets like you know I, I don't know. Jeremy just wrote all this incredible music um, for the earliest incarnation of that group, and now weirdly has become something that's like sort of like like 
now I'll play horn sometimes and we'll just not sing instead, you know, and it'll just go a completely different d- direction and I'll just play and we'll play a bunch, of, a bunch of instrumental music. It's like, I don't know. So that, that it, like alpha consumer keeps blowing my mind just because it, 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 uh, keeps changing whatever it is. It's like the, it's the Yola Tango of my life or something where it's just like <laughs> just any, anything could happen at any given time, you know? Plug for my favorite band of all time, by the way. Yeah, good one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's when you talk about a guiding light. Yes, yeah. those, those dudes. I, I don't know Yola Tengue. Um, I mean, I, I've heard of them. They've they a lot of records. Hoboken, New Jersey. Yeah. They, like you can't even yeah. know how. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's just the same three people been playing together for you know again for just forever for such a long time, and they have so many different records, and they're so. It's all just music. You know what I mean? It's like there's the 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 egos aren't there's no there's no you know bells and whistles and flashbangs and like whatever. It's just like it's the songs they all write. They all have these different voices and it's like I just can't say enough about it. It's I love that band so deeply. It's yeah. <sighs> yeah, So if you've got one one record of theirs that you go in on first of all, what would you say would be a Probably I can an hear entry the heart- level. <laughs> yeah, like like yeah, they have a they have a record called "I Can Hear the Heart Beating" is one or uh, or and then nothing turned itself inside out. Um, those two records I think were right next to each other, and it's like it's in an interesting meat of the, um, you know, yeah, probably those two. Um, I can hear the heart beating as one or uh, and then nothing turned itself inside out. Yeah. Brilliant. They right. also have they also have a record called "I Am Not Afraid of You" and I will beat your ass. Which is maybe the best record title. Ever. Sounds right up my street. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's, it's, especially when you see those three people, it's like really brings that whole thing into focus. It's, it's, it's Excellent. <laughs> An early, early musical influence were they? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, high school, like like just out of high school, I think um, the first record of theirs that I heard was um, was I can hear the heart beating is one, and um, and that was at the same. It was inter- It was the same. I think it was the same year that that. Uh, um, uh, Radiohead, um, okay. Computer came out. Oh, so yeah. it was like, so yeah. it's interesting because they, they actually like that record there, the Yola Tango's record got a lot of critical acclaim, I think actually. Um, but you know, okay. Computer was like, so, you know, like, I don't, I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but it felt, I remember it feeling to me at the time, like, like, like weirdly that record got overshadowed just cause okay. Computer was, yeah. was, you know, like, and not to, to, to take anything away from that because good God, I'm talking about a yeah. sea change. You know, <laughs> that's what I was thinking about. You're talking about a band that sort of shape shifts over the years oh, yeah. and change it. And I was thinking of Radiohead. They're and uh, still just incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's another one. <laughs> another, big, another big deal. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of love, love the. It's fun. It's always interesting to think about, you know, speaking of the Rolling Stones, like who our Rolling Stones are, or like, you know, like it's, I don't know, or what those, what those moments are. Like definitely Radiohead in those first couple of records is one. Yeah. I, I really love In Rainbows. That's sort of become my, my favorite one over, mm-hmm. over the last few years. I think it was it, it changes when I, I saw them at Glastonbury 2017. Mm-hmm. And I think seeing seeing a band live can just heighten everything. And, and I remember getting back from Glastonbury and, you know, what it's like getting back from a festival like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it takes a, takes a few days to get back to normal. <laughs> And just just listening, I just listened to Radiohead for about, about three months. Yep. Cried in the shower a few times. Sure. 
<laughs> to fake plastic trees. I mean, it's not it's <laughs> yeah. impossible. I, I saw him at, a, um, God, I think it might have been Coachella of all abominable places. Oops, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I remember uh, um, it was just one of the greatest things. Ever. Like like they started playing uh, Karma Police and, and and Johnny Green was playing the piano part. And he and he just he just biffed it on some part and and like and I just saw him like I just saw him laugh and I saw Tom, you know like like just kind of like like whatever. I, I, it just was <laughs> one of those great. It's like if you've <laughs> ever been in a band, you know, and like and so it was just like one of the most fun moments. I mean that whole show was ridiculous. I've only seen them like two or three times and and they were amazing that night. Um, but yeah, that was like. It's funny how like those human moments are some of the most memorable. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. That reminds me of at All Points East when I saw Bonnie Vare, uh, you guys. Uh-huh. Um what's the one? Uh what did we screw up? Come on, tell me. I'm just kidding. He did Woods. It wasn't <laughs> you. It wasn't you. <laughs> I feel like this just, is going a bad way now. I don't no, know. No, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, what happened, man? No, tell me all about yeah, it. No, on, I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> well, you played this yeah. note and it was, and it was awesome. so actually. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, um, <laughs> is it Woods, isn't it? That's on the Messina. Mm, yeah, yeah. Or, Justin started uh, yes, that. Yeah. Or is it also on a loop, some sort of loop? I'm trying to think. Well, there's, um, Woods, Woods is not the on woods. the, yeah, it's not oh. on the, it's, it's a loop. It's like he, he, he has a, um, yeah, he's able to loop like each part of it, and then he's got yeah, yeah. So it's like kind of, you know. He did that. Yeah. He sang the first line, mm-hmm. and then he went, "Fuck." Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. yeah. That, and that was a great human moment. Everyone pissed themselves. It was so good. Oh man. No, <laughs> it's, it, like, it's ah. they're always the best moments. I remember like yeah, exactly. Like I played with Andrew Bird for years, um, and Jeremy Ovasaker, who's an alpha consumer, played with me in that group, and Martin Dosh and whatever. But like. So a lot of that music was based on on loops that Andrew would make, you know, and just like because it's nobody's math is perfect. Every now and again, he would like one of the loops would be goofy, and we'd like be kind of trying to trying to do it, and it would just like kind of, you know, just like I can still see him just kind of like his seeing his shoulders slump a little bit. And he'd like turn around and look, and and just and he'd kill the loop, and he and he'd just go to the mic. He's like, I don't, I'm sorry, you know. And ever the it invariably every single time something like that would happen, the entire crowd instantaneously just goes nuts and they could not be more behind you like they're yeah, so totally. excited that you like yeah i screw up too or like you know like we got you <laughs> you know like whatever it's it's, it's beautiful yeah. you know there's something yeah, really primal in that there's something like yeah you're really hopeful lovely. about humanity yeah. in those moments in a way yeah know? definitely like, yeah hey yeah. i wanted to ask you about um people festival because you guys went out there didn't you to berlin and a couple of times we yeah. chatted to another guest a while back about it so were you collaborating with different lots of different people when you were yeah. out there yeah definitely amazing and yeah. uh yeah so was there anybody was there anybody that was sort of surprised you that you worked with that like oh, just worked a real treat you know it's funny yes um and and yet and it's like such a blur um like in the best way like like trying to pick out individual moments is like you know, this isn't the first time I'd have to do it. And it's like, it's troublesome because like, you're, you know, like, especially given the fact that we would all stay, you know, almost all, everybody was staying in the same place in the, in the Michelberger hotel, you know, where they, these great people that put us up in this amazing place. And so it's just like, you're just inundated with each other and everything that you're doing like for that week, you know? So 
so yeah, but I mean, you know, Bonnie Light Horseman, um, like, uh, which now I'm about to go, we're about to go record another record, um, coming up here. And, uh, that was kind of, I think the seeds for that group were set a little bit earlier between Eric and Anas. And then, um, and then I don't know at what point Josh got involved, but like the earliest seeds of that, that record that just came out, whatever it was last year, two years ago or something like that. Um, uh, that was there, like the, like a bunch of the original, uh, like initial recordings that were done, like with whatever mics, you know, Bella could like put together in this room that was like 110 degrees and like, you know, everything's going in and out of tune and whatever. And I mean, just, yeah, like, um, so that was an amazing lightning strike. Um, man, I had another moment. I like Sam Amadon and I played just the two of us because we've known each other for a while and he was doing a solo thing. And then the band that I was playing in next on that stage was, you know, so we just had a impromptu like, Oh, let's just do this. And like that ended up being like one of the coolest, like, I don't know, man, I don't know if you guys know Sam Amadon's music at all, but like he's, he's just one more, one of the more dynamic performers I've ever seen in my life. Like, you know, I talk about somebody that's just like in it and like not distracted by anything. And it's just like, if you get a chance to see him, that's a gift. So yeah, so being on stage with him, which is like, I don't know if it would have happened before, if it'll happen again, I hope it does, you know, but like just tons of things like that, you know, that festival, it's like, you know, as you'd expect, you just shove that many people that care about weird stuff together. Weird things are going to happen. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it really does. Rad. It was really great. How was it done then? Were you kind of set up like blind date? Oh, why don't you go off with that person? Or was it just like whoever you chat to at breakfast? Great question. Uh, it, like, there was definitely attempts at structure. Um, sometimes they worked. Sometimes they got in the way. Um which is the last part of that could be, I mean, it's like, it's not a critique because like, Lord, you'd have to try to do some type of structure. And I think they did a really good job of like trying to do that. And then if it didn't work immediately going like, cool, you know, like nobody had any attachment to like my idea, you know, like, it was, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. it just worked sometimes. And then other times it didn't work and like, you know, like, but yeah, God, I wouldn't even know where to begin trying to explain like how like I, it blows my mind just thinking about it still that people are able to <laughs> you know like organize a situation like that it's nuts you know yeah but were there there were sort of gigs set up so that you had something to work towards if you wanted to work with someone or yeah there the, yep like so like almost all of the performances were relatively short and a lot of them happened in the different salls or studios that like were there so there weren't a lot of there was like a couple of ones that were bigger and then some that were very small. Um, and then other types of performances entirely. Like I remember one year on one of them, they did these like these weird uh, abduction concerts where they would just grab somebody and ask them if they were okay with being abducted, which is <laughs> creepy as hell to say out loud, but I mean, they, oh they, they'd, put, they'd, they'd put like a, they'd put a blindfold on them and take them to some room and then take the blindfold off and you'd be sitting in front of, you know, whoever it may, you know, like, Aaron Desner or something like that and he'd play something for you or like you know like like so so just it was a really like you know there's just any weird idea that anybody had it just kind of went for it you know and then there was like multi multimedia inst installations and you know like they just took you just took over that whole space and just did any crazy shit they wanted to do 
In my mind, that's how Berlin is just all the time. That's how I imagine it. I flipping love Berlin. I I think it's an amazing city. I do too. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, like, like I've never met, I hope this doesn't sound too hyperbolic, but it's like, it, like, it's like almost like, like there are like such incredibly opinionated people there that are so like allowing of all these other opinions, you know, like it's like, you just, you just look at the landscape of Berlin and it's like, Oh, here's some, you know, church from the 14th century that didn't get bombed out right next to a, brand new structure that has like all night like dance music uh, you know yeah. it's just like it's a, it's a wild place yeah it's i love it really it's very special. non-judgmental it feels yeah. like it you know you can kind of be there and not feel it's not like some parts of east london that perhaps you don't feel quite cool <laughs> enough to... <laughs> I'll take i love east no london yeah. <laughs> it's great it's a great place to be i live there but you know <laughs> Anywhere you are, you you figure out where the where the little things are. You know, I love Minneapolis for that reason. It's like the math is really interesting here, where there's like enough people that you can get a a lot of cross pollination, um, like artistically speaking. But then there's also not so many that you know small enough that you still end up dealing like with, with weird little clicky things and just stuff that you know like whatever I've always been lucky enough to travel that it doesn't drive me com- you know like I, I I have close friends that have at t- at points been driven nuts by like mm. you know but but whatever it's just any place that you are you know it's yeah totally you know yeah so, yeah like New York New York's great but but there's also like a weird competitive thing that I never understood there. Like, yeah. like it's like you have to carve out your own niche, especially like, like I didn't end up sticking around there as a, to, to play jazz music because of that, because it just at, like, at least at the time, you know, in the late nineties, I, I, you know, I already had bands going. I just wanted to go play with mm. people. I didn't want to like, you know, be recognized individually for, some did you feel like you had to go there though when you left college did it seem like the the correct kind of career path to go to new york and yeah it was kind of one of those things it's like if you you know you have to it's funny it's like that you you don't have to but the narrative is that like you know like well you sound pretty good but you gotta go to new york if you want to you know like like whatever see if you can you can cut it there then you know like whatever. yeah totally so so yeah and, and i don't regret it at all man i met other weirdos that cared about this this music that you know like that a lot of people don't listen to and and uh and it was one of the most impactful years of my life but but yeah definitely like i was like it was a bummer to leave because i didn't want to leave those people but it was also like "Mm, i don't know i i want to play with my friends you know yeah yeah you know whatever so i got lucky three over the pandemic, uh, my, my partner, I've been spending a lot of time up in, in Grand Marais, which is like all the way at the top of Minnesota, like, like very, like only about maybe 30, 40 minutes from the Canadian border. And it's like, I don't know, maybe it's just getting older or something, but like, I'm like, yeah, I don't city. I don't, mm I don't think I need that. <laughs> like, like in a lot yeah. of ways, yeah. I think I'm really looking forward to a time where it's just like, you know, slow and quiet and pretty and dog walking and 
And, uh, you know. Is it kind of uh, Fargo sort of uh, vibes? Um, no, Grand Marais is. God, Grand Marais is strange. A million miles away. It's it, it's like uh, <laughs> you know what? Like actually, always- it's kind of. Barbara Jean, my 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 partner always says, in this, and I think she's right. It's like it. You ever seen Northern Exposure? No, it's a it's a show that was real popular in the states. Um, and and uh, uh, Justin Vernon's favorite show of all time that our band is named after, actually, hilariously. But um, oh. um, but uh, it's like that. It's like very characterful. Um, not, and then the politics are not. Like, you know, oftentimes you end up in smaller places and it, and it, and it's, there's a conservativeness and a, and a, yeah, know, yeah. Like without getting into judgment and all of the things that, you know, like I just don't want to get into anymore in my life ever. But like, uh, <laughs> but Grand Marais has like this, uh, um, very different community. Like, like, you know, like, um, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. There's like a really great co-op there. And then there's just like tons of, of, uh, of, of, you know, gay women and men and like all these things that like, it's just like, you know, and that's not the only, it's not like a high, I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, I can everybody's imagine really you together, may- you know? Yeah. And then it takes a certain amount of like, you know, it's also, it also is like a, you know, gets cold, like, really legitimately cold up there. Like Minnesota's known for that anyway, but it's, you know, so it just, you have to kind of be hardened in a way to, to like actually spend all your time there. And, you know, like, I don't know, it's, it's a, it's a cool place. I'm a bit obsessed right now with it. Apparently oh, so nice. much so that I'm talking about it on your podcast. I love it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the bit. We're just going to edit out everything else. It's just going to be a oh, bit yeah, for no, this please. tourist, yeah. tourist save, board. Yeah. Save everybody from me, please. <laughs> Oh no, no. Um, your 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 dad is he he's still about? Is he yes, still playing yeah. trumpet? Yep, yep. He's a trumpet, right? Yeah, he's a trumpet player. Yep, yeah, yeah. He's he's still playing. He's uh, teaches a lot. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. My my dad is like man. <laughs> he never played. I mean, he he's played all kinds of different music in town. I, I think he's maybe done some out of town shows. And he somehow has always magically had this equilibrium where he is, whether it's a wedding or like, it doesn't matter what the gig is. He walks in with like this, like, okay, this, this, let's, let's, this will be, you know, let's see what happens. This is going to be fun. There's something to learn from any situation. It's all this stuff that like sound like all these public service announcements or something like that, that you wouldn't think anybody could uphold. And somehow my dad, is always it's he's actually in earnest with all of it. It's always blown oh. my mind. I was not able to do that. Like I that is excellent. Was, yeah, it's remarkable. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so he still just has endless patience and you know, I don't know. Plays a he- bunch of different instruments. He plays flute and like he'll, I mean, who shows up to a jobbing gig with like he'll bring three or four trumpets just in case and then like an alto <laughs> flute and his other flute and he'll just bring he'll just wow. make trips from the car so that he can play brown eyed girl for the nine hundred and thirty fourth time. You know what I mean? Like like and yeah. he's just always like really positive about it. And it and it I just I I'm like I don't I, I love you. Yeah. I don't know who you are. How is that possible? Where that serenity comes from, but it's remarkable. Uh, but was he delighted that you followed in into a musical career? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, of course. I I think what I always end up saying about that is, uh, um, 
My friend Jeremy talks about the like if you can smile with sad eyes. I guess. <laughs> like I remember when I was when I was um ten years old, sixth grade, and I remember telling my dad, like, I'm like, Dad, that's what I'm gonna this is it, man. I'm gonna be a musician. Like, that's what I wanna do. And he's like, uh, oh, that's uh that's great. That's, that's so, you know, like, like, it's just like, you know, like couldn't be more proud. And also it's like, you know, God, I'm sorry <laughs> for every single thing that you're going to go through and all of the money you're not going to have for so long. And you know, whatever. But, yeah. So yes, I think he's, I think he's happy. Oh. Yeah. But it was nice growing up the child of a musician. Was it uh, interesting? Music all around. And I guess you don't know any different, you know, like, I mean, right. I like, um, wouldn't even think about music as something I liked or didn't like. You know what I mean? Just because it was, was, it was just there. You know? Yeah. It's like scrambled yeah. eggs. Like it. You know? It's just like a <laughs> part of every single part of everything. You know? So, um, so yeah. Uh, I mean, man, and like I got to listen. I got to grow up listening to my dad teach, and he's a brilliant teacher. Like unbelievable. He's a great trumpet player and a really sensitive musical musician. But my God is his teaching. He's just has endless patience. And like, you know, so like I have no doubt in my mind that um, probably most of my ethos in terms of, you know, like anything important in terms of like how to learn or like how to find a patience within the process of, you know, everything that comes along with playing music is just like based on my dad's ideologies mm. and you know like Amazing. i was really really lucky you know and my mom's great too she, she's a like incredible singer and like self-taught pianist who's you know like i don't know she used to come home from uh you know uh from the church services that she was made to go to and and then and then like just sit down and and play all the hymns by ear she just like remember oh, wow. them and she, you know like yeah. learn how to read music years later but she already knew all of the you know what i mean like so yeah so, oh. so yeah, I had a lot of, I got, I had a lot of support. I remember my mom having one conversation with my mom where she was pretty concerned that I was going to do this. And then she just let go and, and then just supported me and bought me an upright bass in New York. <laughs> Great. Oh, there we go. Oh, he's just brilliant, isn't he? I love yeah. Mike. Yeah. You you really liked Mike, didn't you? you I got really... The, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I did say that, didn't I? The thing is, like, it started off, you were like fanboy extraordinaire. By the end, there was a bit of a <laughs> bit of a turnaround and it was me who came away saying, I think I love Mike Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a cool guy. Cool guy. Yeah. He, yeah, he's a good musician, amazing yeah. sax player. Great bassist. And I see Bon Iver coming over to the UK next year. So for sure, I'm going to go and see them play because I watched that NPR concert yeah. and it really did blow my mind. And that is just on a little screen in the house. Yeah. You know. Oh, it's great. As, but really, it, I really loved Bon Iver before, but after seeing them in 2018, mm. it was like, it just was like another level. Yeah. Sorry, have I gone on? We're doing this on such a budget setup. But yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm holding. Yeah, I'm holding two phones. Can you explain I'm, where you are. Yeah, I'm at Cooling Castle Barn. I'm about to play for a wedding in about twenty minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sat at the. T I'm hiding in a corner at the top of the stairs, and I've got two phones in my hands. I'm using Rob's phone to record and my phone to speak to you. 
Wow, it's so high tech. You're I like, know. Um, you're like on an outside broadcast, like mm. you're on a road show or something. I know, I, it's quite, I am. Antiques road um, trip. <laughs> what were we talking about? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's that, that thing where you see a band and then it's like, oh, and, and I loved all the studio albums that they've done. Yeah. But then doing it live, like as Mike talks about how they develop the, the songs into brand new things, they'll, some random sound they'll get out of a keyboard and then that develops into a whole new version. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, so there's actually loads of stuff on YouTube. You can check out lots of that. But also he's done loads of really other cool stuff like, um, yeah, Andrew Bird's Tallest Man on Earth. Yeah. And have listened to his, his groups, Happy Apple, Fat Kid Wednesdays, Alpha Consumer. There's a lot to dig into if you're... If so you like much material. Mike's jib. Go on, take a look. It'll take a day and it'll be well worth it. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, but um, Seb now, oh, talking about live yeah. performance, you have yeah. been king of the festivals this week haven't you so exciting i had such a good week it was so good oh talk us through it bastille yeah this weekend just gone and we had started off with two days of rehearsals at brixton academy oh cool which i've never rehearsed that before uh didn't know you could do that but yeah and how was it was it yeah so great yeah yeah yeah, really nice and and the Everyone there is so nice. It's just a wicked um, group of people. Some ex-guests of the podcast were there. Yeah. Johnny Abraham. Bim. Oh, Bim. Johnny yeah, Abraham. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Johnny was conducting and he'd done all the orchestrations. Amazing. Which what a legend. Which we do talk about in his episode, but that was quite yeah. a while ago. And he's done even more now. It's yeah. really developed the, the Bastille reorchestrated show. Who else did we have there from the podcast? Hmm. No one else. Maybe <laughs> no, we did a Latitude Festival ones. though. Um, yeah, when because when I came to see you guys. Anyway, yeah. carry on. Yeah, I'll come to that. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. Carry on. Let's get to the end. Yeah, skip. <laughs> we did. Uh, yeah, we did stand and calling on Friday night, and we yeah. did Latitude on Sunday. Oh, awesome! And, oh my god, what just after this year, with all its ups and downs. Like for me, I've had some personal, very ups, very ups, good things. Very ups, yeah. It's been bad, isn't it? It's bad mm, for everyone. Big bads as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think back to when when I was doing a quite a not great part-time job in February, March. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I was doing with Barney, my brother. So that was kind of, kind of cool we were doing it together. Yeah. But then fast forward to... Sunday night, headlining Latitude, sat next to Barney. Oh, God, that's amazing. to, like, what, 30,000 people or something? Yeah, and everyone was buzzing it to was hear live pretty, music again. Pretty damn magical. Yes, yeah. it was so good. What was it good. like in the crowd? Oh, just so good. It was so good. Everyone was yeah. just pumped to, it, like, hear, hear stuff live. And, I mean, it sounded awesome. You guys were amazing. I loved it. Um, but the whole festival, it was just... I loved it from the minute I got there. I just joined, the rest of my family went for the weekend, but I joined them on the Sunday yeah. and saw everything I could. I went to see the vaccines. They were amazing. I saw a guest of the podcast, Anna Meredith, who was yeah. so good. If you get a chance to see her live, go, because she's flipping brilliant. Her band are amazing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Phil Donnelly was doing her tech stuff for her as well. So it was really, it oh, was yeah. great. Got to see so many people there. Um, yeah, brilliant. And, and the, Vicky Stone was in the audience. Was she? Of course, because Rick was, was She came playing. to watch Rick Ellsworth oh. as he was playing. Oh, so wow. So it was a real three in a bar affair. Oh, God, sorry, it's getting a bit noisy in here now. Right. I'm going to have to go really soon because I'm about, I've yeah, got yeah, to go yeah. and get myself in cello playing position. But oh. suffice it to say, Exciting. Latitude yeah. was amazing. Yeah. You guys, Bastille, were amazing. My boys were singing along 
Oh, I saw a video of Henry singing. Henry, That was the cutest thing ever. Oh, God, he was beside himself. It was their favourite thing. I loved it. so nice. Yeah. We've got... We've got things ahead, haven't we, this week, though? The exciting thing is we're going to see another guest at the end of the week. There's yeah. more. We're back in the game, I think. <laughs> we're back in the game, I think. The trouble is, is that we're suddenly, suddenly things are like backed up, aren't they? Like weddings yeah. a go-go. Yeah. Gigs. Yeah. Um, obviously not everyone has gigs yet. I must stress some, that. We're some gigs. We're in where we've got some gigs. Dead lucky, yeah. I think maybe just this week was, was a one-off, but... But um, I'm less busy in August at the moment. Anyway, mm. um, we, we need to find out a way of keeping this podcast sustainable. We do. We, and we're coming up with plans, aren't we? We were coming yeah. up with plans. But basically, when we did lockdown, it was like every week, every yeah. week. We've got nothing yeah. on. Yeah. But now it's, it's, um, it's getting a little bit more tricky, but we're going to work out a way of doing it. We will. And because it's a joy. That's good for us. <laughs> yeah, it is a joy, but we want to keep it a joy. Yeah. And yes. We can definitely do that. Yes, we can. There'll be a way around it. It might be, possibly, we don't do it every week. Shock horror. But then don't worry, we've backed up 60 episodes now, lads. And go back and listen to your favourites. You might have missed yeah, some. That's right. There's so many. And, you know, then yeah. we'll spring back up again. Hello. Lovely. Yeah. So look, if you've got any thoughts on that, let us know what you yeah. think. Yeah. If you want it to come out every week, then we're, we're going to need to hire an editor. We are. If you are an we editor or producer. And you're very cheap. Please make yourself known to us. And if you've got lots of money, you'd like to give us also. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. There you go. Money, <laughs> editor, uh, or just, uh, I don't know, or, or we just do it once every, every bit of time. Yeah. Not every week. You know, we'll work yeah. it out. But it's we'll work this um, out. <laughs> but we we'll be back. Um, I don't want to say next Monday, but we'll try. No, because that's very soon. But we'll be back very, very soon. soon. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. We've got some cracking guests in the can and up and coming. So well, should we say who's coming out next week? Should we? Just oh yeah, tell them? yeah, yeah. Go on. It's um only Wendy Bloom and Peters. Yeah. Yeah, off of singing musical theatre, but also off of Corrie and also off yeah. of Stars in Their Eyes, as we'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and it. ready steady cook as we oh, mentioned in this episode yes today. oh yes and the harry hill show brilliant <laughs> anyway <laughs> hey right. have uh, a great week so, yeah guys we love you all thanks so much for listening yeah and have a lovely day in the sunshine or the rain whatever's doing <laughs> and <laughs> all right uh, see you soon bye everyone. bye, bye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 